Hi guys and hello again, it's me Alan Barrett with the Grenade Pull the Pin podcast. It's a very clever combination, you know it by now, it's business, brand and banter and today we are pulling the pin on, wait for it, you'll see what we did here, planes, train and automobiles. So you guessed it, we'll be talking about planes, training and automobiles. Um, You might not have seen the film, it's very old, I'm older than probably most of our listeners so I have seen it but if you haven't, go and see it, it's a great film. Um, So... Business brand and banter with a little bit of shite mixed in. So, today's guest, he's got the best job in the world. Uh, although it's not a real job, to be honest, but no one actually knows what he does. But he owns Supercars of London. He's the only man alive, statistically proven, to have a worse dress sense than me. Although, with what he's wearing today, you wouldn't tell that, but I've seen him in some absolute shocking stuff in the past. Uh, it's only supercar entrepreneur, Paul Wallace. Is there like an applause that goes on now? No, there'll be no applause. That was a really nice introduction. You you give yourself, I'll do that again, give yourself some applause, but no one else will. So it's only supercar (laughs) entrepreneur Paul Wallace. Yeah, just little, little, did yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, I would say it's great to have you, but it really isn't. Uh, everyone else let us down. Yeah. Uh, but no, thanks so much for coming, Paul. Really, we really appreciate it. No, uh, I think when you WhatsApp me saying, are you ready for tomorrow? I was like, yeah, really looking forward to it. And you go, that makes one of us. I was <laughs> very ready for today. I'd forgotten about it. It was 10 o'clock last night. So I think, oh, I was looking forward to a day off today, to be honest. And then uh, I thought, yeah, you turned up. We have to do some actual work. Um, so tell us about the Supercars of London. Where did it all start? What is it? And have you ever run out of petrol in a car park in an Audi R8? <laughs> I mean, that's a, a nice place to start. Supercars of London is, it was very self-explanatory. It was literally supercars in London. That's where I started. I started when I was about 15 years old. Well, I thought you were renting them. So when I first saw your Instagram page, I thought you were renting out supercars. Okay. So it wasn't... Probably that, more that, lucrative that, than what I am doing. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, so it, uh, yeah, it wasn't that self-explanatory. So I was okay. amazed. Yeah, he's the only person that makes money out of supercars and doesn't rent or buy or sell supercars. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. It is... Uh, genius. It's quite a bizarre industry, but when I started out... It's not an industry. <laughs> I mean, okay. I can't even call it a job either. Not really. I mean, should I just, just leave now? You're just freeloading <laughs> off people and it's driving around in, in, in flash cars. What do you mean today? I've not been, I've not been outside. Um, what have you I'm been? in a Ford Focus ST. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right then. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drive supercars all of the time. Because I think if I did, it would probably be, you'd get used to it. Yeah, it gets mundane. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing this now for, I would calculate, 13 years which makes me feel a little bit old. I've not seen planes, trains, and automobiles. You've not seen any film ever. It amazes me. No, because for the last 13 years, I've just been doing this. I've not had any time to do anything else. Yeah, he's been sat in his bedroom alone with YouTube. What could possibly go wrong? Which answers for my fashion sense as well. <laughs> yeah, I can sorry, sorry. So we haven't actually found out yet what Supercars of London is. We've established that you don't actually do anything. Yeah, I don't sorry, have a so, job. Yeah. For the last 13 years, I've been sat in a room with a laptop, talking to a camera, and all of a sudden, I end up now driving around in quite nice cars. They're more than quite nice, I think they're really. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of developed my dream job. When I was at school, I dreamt of driving Lamborghinis. I wanted to basically live the life that I saw in central London with these very, very successful financiers, bankers, driving around in Ferraris and Lamborghinis. I was like, I want to do that, but 
I don't know anything about math. <laughs> yeah, but, but also not in London, because I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Is there a worse city in the world to drive a 200-mile-an-hour car <laughs> um, other than central London and without looking like an absolute cock? No, no, there isn't. No, no, I didn't think there was. No, yeah, I mean, it always max, you, me. max you can get is thirty mile an hour, and that's on like a really quiet day, about four a.m. Yeah, if you're doing thirty in London, you'll be the fastest moving thing in London as yeah. well. I imagine at any at any point. <laughs> so it started in London. I literally was just filming cars in London. There was no personality behind the channel. Still it isn't. Was <laughs> Sorry, we can we'll edit. We won't edit that out. But um, you're just uh, walking into these. All right, I'll try. I'll try not to walk into them. <laughs> You'll do well because I'm, I'm. I'm very. I'm very good. At, I'm, yeah, I'm very quick with these. Sorry, carry on. I then went to university, learned a little Fuck bit all. about business, a little bit about business. Came out, and that was when I, all I wanted to do was create a sustainable income from YouTube because that's what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. So that was my passion. Every day that I woke up, I never felt like I was going to work or I never felt like I was putting the work in. But over time, social media rose. YouTube became a much bigger platform than just what it was when yep. I started to upload. And I kind of was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I'd found this niche. I was bringing to life cars that you would just normally see on the likes of Top Gear or in Nuts and Zoo magazine. Do you remember those? Yeah, magazines? I do. Back yeah, in yeah, the day. Yeah. Um, so I was going into London and seeing these cars about a month after they were being launched in magazines and were on Top Gear. So I was bringing them to life and then all of a sudden the audience followed and I was seeing 200 views, 1,000 views. And then when I was at university, two videos went viral and they got over 100,000 views. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm cashing in now. I was earning as much money as I was getting loaned by the student loan company. Yeah. And I was like, I'm doubling up my income here. Like I need to turn this into a job. I need to make it sustainable. And then once I came out of university, I packed up my stuff, I drove straight to London, didn't go home, drove straight to London and stayed in London till about 3am filming cars and then every single afternoon and evening for about four months I just filmed cars, content till 2am, 3am and I was the biggest weirdo in central London, dressed similarly to this, holding a camera <laughs> at 3am on the corner of the street waiting for this Lamborghini to drive past and so many people, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just filming this car. Who's in it? I don't know. Like, I'm just filming a car. Like, no one understood it. And, and I think it even didn't now, look like you were curb crawling. No, 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 because I had a camera. <laughs> Which <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes it perfectly <laughs> fine, yeah. Under my Mac. <laughs> yeah, with my uh, my telephoto lens and night vision goggles. Exactly, yeah, I was zoomed right in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But obviously you were always interested in cars, I assume. So what was the early stage? Do you remember actually be really into cars like was you were your parents into cars because this um, where does this come from i don't actually know where it's, I, I do know where it's come from when i was very young i'd say between like seven to ten i loved animals but then i loved birds which then turned to aeroplanes nice okay. tie in there yeah see literally i like the only mention of aeroplanes now I, in this, in this I, podcast I, I liked planes before i liked cars Okay. But then my parents then latched on to this sort of like transport uh, interest, got me a Formula One VHS. So I then started to watch Formula One at the age of about 10 or 11, which then transferred into, oh, Ferrari are winning on the track. They're also winning on the road. And then I started to pick up the road cars driving around. I was like, that's what I want to do when I'm older. I just want to drive those cars. And has there ever been any interest in you actually racing? Because I'm surprised a lot of people that have probably picked up on those type of vehicles at that age would want to be a racing driver 
Yeah, do you ever want to do that? Or do you want to do that? Is that something you'd want to do in future? You're too I, old now. I'm too old now for sure to ever, to ever earn any money because I think I found out quite early on that the um, entry level to become a racing driver, you need a load of money. Yeah. Like it's not something that anyone can just walk off the street and do. Yeah. Especially Even go-karting. Now. Like yeah. I had a go-karting party when I was like 13 and my parents were like, never doing that again. That was like 250 quid down the drain for an hour of yeah, like hooning yeah, yeah. around. So and people talk about Lewis Hamilton and the, the path he came from. We didn't yeah. have a wealthy background. Yeah. He was good at go-karting, but I think he's very much a one-off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his dad ran like three or four jobs at the same time. Yeah. And... It's just dedication. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. And that I was, that's like, I'm talking about when I was like 14 or 15 at this point. So I was already too late to get in and get those sponsors in for any sort of racing. But I just became obsessed with road cars. I don't know what it was. I didn't even want the attention. I just loved how they looked and sounded yeah, yeah, on yeah, the road. Yeah. Didn't care how they drove either. And do you know as well, there's something very nice about driving an extremely fast car very slowly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's bizarre, <laughs> I, isn't it? I drove a Lamborghini last week and I got in the car with someone that sits in the passenger seat of a lot of fast cars. And I said, I drive really different to everyone. Because in his mind, he's going, oh my God, this guy's going to go flat out everywhere. I was like, yeah. yeah, like I've driven a lot of cars and I drive really different. And he was like, are you going to go 200 mile an hour? And I'm like, Nope, I drive like a granny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do 29 and 30. <laughs> it's how it. you do it. It's yeah. all in first. And yeah. it's, yeah, it yeah. is. I've, I've it done it. It sounds like you're doing 70 It does, yeah, hour. in a tunnel. Yeah, it's a very bizarre experience. You are very good at it, though. I'd have sworn you were actually going quicker than you were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you've got to just stick to 70 mile an hour. Otherwise, the YouTube police will come for you. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, can you still get nicked for that? I imagine. If... I believe it's developing even, yeah. even more. I think to begin with, they could use it as evidence if they caught you. Yeah. But I can imagine the now they can do you on the video. Yeah, they could actually hunt you down. Yeah. Um, actually, what of interest, what was the first car that you owned? My first car was a 2007 Vauxhall Astra. Oh, my God. That's a cool car. I'm so sorry. It's a cool car. What? what? It was. It was black. It was never a cool car. SXR. I had a sport button. You pressed it and nothing happened. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I mean, I was in sport mode. So in my mind, something was happening. So, yeah, On the outside of the car, it looked like a Lambo. <laughs> yeah, look, electricity. You pressed the button. Yeah, nothing happened. I, I, that was never happening with my car. My first car was a G-Reg, a white one litre Fiat Panda. Yeah, you can't give me any stick for mine. No, God, no, it was horrific. <laughs> the thing is the time as well, and I was, I was probably about 17 years old. I was like an 18 stone bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> so your power to weight was actually oh, yeah, it was, the it was other appalling. way around. <laughs> uh, but also as well, I used to get so much road rage. People hate those cars. It's the equivalent of like Nissan Micras now. Yeah, yeah. People just hate, they bring out the worst in people. People hate those cars. Because they and can't I, actually get up to the speed limit. No, no. And because I was going up hills and it wouldn't yeah. make it, especially with me in it. And um, and it had a carburetor problem as well, which was it was intermittent, which is worse. So it just it just kind of gets stuck in like just second sometimes gear. caught fire. Yeah, caught fire. <laughs> um, and uh, I'd get in so much road rage in that car. The thing is, though, as well, I'd sort of, I'd, I'd pull up, and back then, when it's like 18, you're fearless, aren't you? And I was yeah. like, I was, I was massive, and I was working security on the doors and stuff, so I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really scared of road rage. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd get in road rage with everyone on the road. I'm the uh, calmest yeah. driver. I yeah. Well, I am now, yeah, I, yeah, I don't do it now. I, yeah. Nothing phases me on the road at all, which is really weird, because everything else, you've heard my coffee shop stories, <laughs> I can't go into a coffee shop where I wanted to kill all the employees Actually, and all your the road customers. rage has been picked up. It and has, put, it 
every other scenario in the world. Yeah, so you're just a really angry man, <laughs> I'm just apart from when you're driving. Pretty much, yeah, that's exactly what's happened. And uh, yeah, I got in rails. My dad was in the car and I got in road rage with this uh, lorry. I would have been in the wrong. I can't remember what I've done, but I've done something <laughs> wrong. And we pulled up at these lights and this lorry driver got out and dad's like, leave it, leave it. I'm like, oh, fuck him. So literally, so I got out as well. Oh, and, and again, and I was pretty big. And, which you know means nothing, but for most people, it'd be quite lorry, intimidating. You pick the lorry up. No, no, no. He, he, he took one look at me. He said, "Fuck that!" And he literally got back in again. Uh, and then, um, yeah. So, other way, you probably would have battered me. That would uh, um, make sense for why you. Yeah. Were. So uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> had that car for it for a year. But you know what? As well, and I was chatting. We had we did a podcast with Steve Bartlett a couple of weeks ago. Mm. We were chatting about our first cars. I saw that, and, and um, it was that was the best car I've ever had. Really? Because it, well, yeah, just because it was my I've first seen your car. <laughs> no, but do you know why? Because I think there's a bigger difference between going from having no car mm. and walking mm-hmm. everywhere, taking the bus, to having your first car and then the freedom, have a, the yeah, freedom having a supercar. Yeah, because they both move. They're both going to get you there. Well, One you know might what? get you there slightly quicker than the other. But. Yeah. Do you know what I think with the likes of, especially when you go and buy a supercar, for example, or nowadays any car, the excitement is when you in the lead up to actually collecting the car. Yeah, it is. So you're like, oh my God, like I'm so excited. The collection day comes, you go into the showroom, you get treated like a five-star celebrity. You're like, oh my God, this is like the coolest thing ever. The covers come off and you go, oh, it looks beautiful. And then actually it's only when you drive away, you go, oh my God, I'm gonna have to pay for this now. And it actually starts yeah. to sink in and the reality starts to sink in. And then we go on to like the supercars and you realise the weight over your shoulder and responsibility of looking after a car so valuable when you've got every other car on the road that doesn't really care about you. You're driving a bright orange Lamborghini going, do not clip a wing mirror, do not clip a wheel. (laughs) You're so terrified that actually going back to your first car, you're like, I wish I still had that car just so I could bomb around and not care if I just clipped a wing mirror or like hit another car or... I was going to go on to like hitting a person, but I've never done that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't go around hitting people. Yeah, well, I should take a leaf out of your book and just borrow cars and then just give them back mm. and uh, have all the fun out of them. But no, you're completely right. And I think one of the things I've always noticed as well, we're so busy with with work and I don't really realise how busy I am until you get these little moments in your life, like, you know, moving into a new home, yeah. getting a new car. I remember the first time, you know, when I, I bought uh, an aeroplane, so my first plane, but it's the only plane I've ever bought. And another plane reference. Another, yeah, that's the second, <laughs> second only plane reference. Um and then I realised then it comes to that big moment and then I'm busy doing something else. Yeah, yeah. And that's happened to me quite a lot. Uh, funnily enough. So I, in the eye of the storm. You know, well, like yeah. That's, chaos yeah. until you get into the eye of the storm, buy uh, a house, buy a car, and then it carries on. Yeah, I ended up um, I ended up when I was uh, having this plane delivery and they were flying into Wellsbourne and the weather was quite bad actually that day. And, and they'd moved quite a few things around to try and fly this aircraft in. And I really wanted to be there to see my new plane coming into land. Wait, so they fly it in? It's not there waiting for you in the hangar when you buy it. Uh, Well, so this particular one, it came from this. They're they're built in the US. I fly Cirrus, so they're built in the US. So ultimately, they have to fly them in from the US. You can go and do it yourself with like a safety pilot and fly it in over the Atlantic and over Greenland and Iceland, (laughs) which I would like. I'd like to do that. You've (laughs) got to be quite careful with the planning and the weather. Yeah. But I would like to do that. But it's getting a big commitment of time, Mm. uh, which I hadn't got the time to do. So this one came into the UK and it was next demo I bought. And yeah, they were just transferring it from like Cywell to to Wellsbourne, which is like an 11 minute flight or something. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, I couldn't be there because I, I had to I had to go and do something yeah, else. And yeah, I yeah. missed it. And again, when the uh, when the, the Performante uh, was unveiled, 
I was the first one in the showroom there because they, they've got all these cars first to march, got all these cars lined up and everyone, yeah, of course, they yeah. line them up in the order you're going to turn up because they've <laughs> yeah, blocked each yeah. other in. Makes you feel instantly less special. <laughs> well, yeah, it does. Oh, there's six so, other yeah. Lambos Oh, yeah, there's 1,800 here a bit lined up today. Oh, any Pavantes? Yeah, all of them. Oh, any any Matt Gray? Yeah, all of them. Oh, OK, yeah. then, yeah. Um, so that when when I bought it and you said it was one of three, that was that was obviously bollocks, uh, which we'd fall for every time. Uh, yeah, funnily enough, mine was about to be unveiled and... Um, uh, Joe Wicks rang me uh, about something. I was chatting to Joe when this uh, when my car was being unveiled, and then they were standing. I'm on the phone. I'm going like, one minute, one minute, and uh, yeah, just Joe Wicks, <laughs> and we're chatting away. And then they couldn't wait in long, and then they had to unveil my car <laughs> without me being there. I was I was like the other side of the showroom, and then they started it up to move it because the next guy would come, and he wanted to get his oh car my out. God. And Joe's like, I hadn't told Joe where I was. He's like, what's that noise? And I went, oh, that's just someone starting up. Uh, Lamborghini in the background and he was like oh what a bell end I was like yeah it's my Lamborghini actually <laughs> and he said oh I'll drive a Mini and I thought oh and I'm a bell end right okay then um, so uh, yeah so kind of missed that and then I was going to buy a Vision Jet a Cirrus Vision Jet in the US a couple of years ago and I went over to order one and test fly one and again when we were trying to spe- I didn't I cancelled the order in the end but when we were trying to spec it my phone rang and it was my chairman and we, we were trying to take on a managing director at the time and the entire time we're supposed to be specking my jet I'm on the phone to the UK going through this yeah. job like basically a CV and it, and it, and it it's weird because you just think it'd be nice just to get these it takes away from the experience of, it does a bit and maybe I should be more disciplined in terms of just kind of actually saying no this day I'm doing yeah. this but yeah it does kind of take a, a bit of the joy out of it I've sometimes you're right with the build up being the most important collection. bit I think if I missed my collection that would probably be me, me being really bad at my job See, your job is to be. I thought meetings. you were really bad at your job. No, you're clearly not because you, you like, as we've Because I'm at all my get, collections. <laughs> yeah, you to, own I, no cars and I get paid for driving them. nice cars. And don't even have to race either. So you haven't got to win any races. It's yeah. genius. Or, or put them in any sort of jeopardy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so you, you, you start supercars and, and it, it starts to get, by the sound of it, pretty quick traction. Were there any moments uh, you no. thought this isn't going to work or I've got to go and get a proper 100%. job? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I did have a proper job. Like, really? What yeah, was that? Yeah. So I uh, came out of university. I realised quite quickly that I wasn't going to grow as fast as I originally thought. It's very easy to get carried away and kind of predict where this graph's going to go. But there were always setbacks, YouTube changing algorithms. I had a video taken down. There were like community complaints about this video that got taken down. So all of a sudden, like my entire infrastructure of how people were finding my suggested videos just disappeared. This video got about 1.5 million views in a month. Okay. And what are people complaining about? Um, it was an argument in the street because there was a guy in a Lamborghini that revved it up and people that were walking past complained that the guy was an idiot but I had asked him to rev it so that I could, oh, get a okay. cool, I could get a cool shot of the car making loads of noise, but it scared these two guys that were walking past and, they, and it was almost like a full-blown fight happening in central London. I was just there going like, I don't know Thank what to do, but this is going to be great content for me. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, kill him, kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then it got taken down. So everything kind of fell apart. And I was like, oh my God, like this is not, as easy as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be plain sailing, film, 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 upload, 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 views, 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 money, money, money. And it was not the case. So I came out, I developed a little company that could consult to all of the, uh, all of the other automotive companies that needed some social media knowledge. So I was going into their offices, I was running their social media, feeding it through my own that had quite a few followers. Mm-hmm. So they were then boosting up their notoriety online and in the automotive world. 
And I then started to sell sponsorship of my channel so that I could then go and buy my first supercar. Okay. And that was the R8 that I nearly ran out of petrol in, in a Tesco car park. <laughs> yeah, he went into a car park with 20 miles in the tank and he left with zero miles in the tank three <laughs> yeah. hours later. Yeah, it was, was nerve-wracking. The thing is, that's what happens when we were talking about this earlier, when you actually go into like a relatively normal everyday situation, like a supermarket yeah. uh, car park, and yet you've looked like you've got plenty of fuel because yeah. it's not 20 miles across the car park. <laughs> yeah. And the when car park gets quite traffic, busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're watching yeah. the fuel tank go down. That was the whole idea about what I wanted to do when I bought my first supercar was take it into normal everyday environments. So mm -hmm. I created this series called Living With, and I took it to a McDonald's drive-through, took it to the gym, so yeah. I was like, oh, I've never seen a supercar go to the gym before. Like, I want to do that and see whether it can fit in the car park, whether it gets a lot of attention, whether I can make it there because I could never afford any fuel at the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, ba I wasn't really breaking even for the first two, three years that I was buying these cars because I realised I needed to buy cars to create the content and give credibility to what you were doing. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't but, know that. So that's but, a massive risk to yeah. actually oh, be making no money risk. and then go and dump a hundred thousand plus on a car. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I was financing it. I, yeah, wasn't, okay. I wasn't dropping just like loads of money on it. That was how I, I was selling sponsorship on my channel and offering them space on the car, like a sort of race car style. So I was driving a car that looked like a race car on the road with loads of sponsorship stickers on it. Yeah. So I was taking that motorsport model onto the road and that was how I was affording the cars. Okay. And was this was this a V8, I guess, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. V8. What do you think about the R8? Because my wife had one of these. So she had the V10. Yeah. She always found it a little bit underwhelming. And, and an R8's probably one of the cars that most people I know, if they were going to go and buy a supercar, they'd say, they'd go, oh, I want to get an R8. Oh, I'd love yeah. an Audi R8. And I think it's because it seems the most achievable, most attainable. And again, beautiful car, beautiful oh, they made, are. look nice. They are. But I always just found it a little bit underwhelming compared was, to like it, a Lambo or something. Yeah, I think it is. It was definitely a numbed down Lamborghini. Yeah. Because Audi and Lambo share a lot of parts that yeah. are the same. I loved my Audi R8. I got used to it very quickly because it was the only car I owned. So within yeah. the first month or so, I had driven maybe like two and a half thousand miles. I'd done a lot of miles in it and it just became my norm. Yeah, norm, yeah daily and driver. I kicked myself. Like, I was like, oh my God, I've dreamt of this moment for so long. And in two months, I'm getting in this and being like, oh, yeah, this is just my car. I was so annoyed. You, you know what the key is, though, as well? Because people ask me this, as long as it's into my cars, yeah. as, as you know. And people always ask me this. But And if you can, I'm, obviously, I'm privileged. I'm, I'm able to do it. But I like having just different types yeah, of cars. You have to, and, and I, yeah, because that way you appreciate all of them. And I can jump from... I mean, yesterday I was driving that Polaris Razor, which is yeah. a little ATV, which I use like a little car because yeah. it's kind of great fun. Jump from that into the Defender then into a Discovery or a Range Rover or the Lambo or something like that. And each time you get in, it feels like a new exactly. experience. And yeah. that's kind of the best way to keep that experience alive. Yeah, because, of course, if you drive a Range Rover every day, that just becomes your yeah, level of yeah, comfort. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just get, you, you you have, get used to you it. You have no idea of that. When you aspire to owning whatever it is that you want to have materialistic, whether it be a car or a plane or a train, like... It will become the norm. I've never wanted a train. <laughs> <laughs> you hear about that story that was uh, there was like a an Arab student that came to the UK or somewhere, and his dad ended up buying the train. I can't remember what it was, but it's definitely one of those myths. Really? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like, an oh, Arab I really guy. want a train. No, <laughs> yeah. I'll wait. Train. I went. I went by a train. Train. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, but I, I'm a big believer. I think in keeping 
to keep you grounded to a certain extent. You have to keep it fresh. Yeah, you just have to not drive the same thing potentially yeah. ev- every day. Yeah. Um, and you just appreciate it more then, to be honest, when uh, you know when it when it comes up. Um, so okay, so difficult times. So you got the R eight, and then was there ever a point you thought, okay, I'm just going to jack all this in. It's not going to work. Yeah. I'm going to get a proper yeah. job. I'm going to go and work. I mean, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? So do you you want to know the job that I applied for when I realised I, I could take a guess. Go on. Was it McDonald's? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. The complete opposite. I applied for a job. Burger King? MI5. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've got more chance of getting in MI5 than you have. At least I could work out. I wouldn't run out of petrol in a car park. <laughs> I applied for a job. You it was like the world's shittest spy. <laughs> I wasn't a spy. I applied for like this administrative job because it was like quite low hours, quite well paid. I thought that I could balance the two. I thought I could still do YouTube. <laughs> And still work for like the Secret Service or whatever. I got vetted. I went through the whole process. I don't know whether I'm going to get killed for saying this now. But anyway, I got through the whole process. I got invited down to an interview. And on the day of the interview, I got this job opportunity through YouTube that was like, hey, come and do a video for Shell and drive around the Top Gear test track and we'll pay you. It was like a month's worth of salary Okay. to do this video for Shell. I was like, I'm going to get paid... I think it was like £1,500 to go down for a day to film at the Top Gear test track with Shell. And I was like, I'm in. And so I like cancelled the job interview. So it was kind I of don't short- want to be a spy <laughs> yeah, anymore. Kind of short-sighted. But at the same time, I realised that there were opportunities to earn other money in YouTube without taking it directly from yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. all of the sponsorship and the yeah, endorsement of side of yeah. stuff, which since then has grown massively and enabled me to basically create what I've created today. And where do you think the entrepreneurship comes from? Because obviously you're a fantastic entrepreneur. And that's something that, you know, we get get loads of entrepreneurs on the show. And I'm fascinated. Everyone's got a very different story. But loads of the common themes running through it. Had you ever considered yourself as being an entrepreneur or wanted to be an entrepreneur? I Is that something that runs in the family? Doesn't run in the family. I never wanted to have a boss. I never really liked being told what to do. I had a very unique style. Oh, I love being told learning. what to do. What I do. That's, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm well known for loving being told what to do. And I had a really unique style of learning. So I actually, it took me about my entire school years to learn how I could learn and revise. And, and I was rubbish at exams. My brother is very, very intellectual, went to university, got a really, really good degree, now works in a bank as a trader. And my sister was very, very intelligent. I was this middle child that was completely useless in school. But why, had this... why, why do you think that was? Are you dyslexic or something? No, or? no, no. no, no. I, I literally have no idea what it was. Like my dad had a normal job. My mum had two or three jobs running at the same time. And I just... Every time I got a job, I worked at Next, I worked in Argos, I worked for a Ferrari Maserati dealership. And for whatever reason, I always knew that I was going to go my own way, create my own path. I think at one point I was like, I just want to like create my own clothing brand. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like what I wanted to do when YouTube was ticking along, but not earning any money. But there was one phrase that really stuck with me that was like, invest and build in your own dreams before someone hires you to build theirs. Mm -hmm. 
and that really stuck with me. To be don't, like, don't tell this lot that. <laughs> we keep we keep that secret. <laughs> okay. Um, don't encourage them. <laughs> and uh, then when I went to university, one of my lecturers at the time had, had just launched a business. So he was a lecturer, but also an entrepreneur at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I sat down with him and we started to talk about my YouTube. We started to talk about this journey that I could potentially go on. And he invested in me and we became business partners. And we're still business partners today. Okay. So there was an element of someone kind of helping me and nurturing me to become an entrepreneur, but there was still that mentality in my head right from the beginning that I was like, this is what I want to do. But just seeing something in you as well. Sometimes you just see that in in other people and it's actually quite rare. And I'm a big believer in the fact that at school, for instance, you sound very similar actually, in the sense that if you're not really interested in it, you're really going to struggle to digest it. Yeah. And I, I've got a fantastic memory for dates and numbers, but things I'm interested in. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's sort of cars or planes, I'm just interested in military yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was chatting to some military guys, very senior military guys a few weeks ago, and I was ch- chatting about stuff like the Second World War, and they're like, you know more stuff than we do. <laughs> but, and it, I, but I've never tried to learn yeah. that. And I think if you sit down at school and try and learn stuff, that you're not interested in. I think maybe it sounds like you've got one of those brains that you just it just doesn't sink in because yeah. you've just got no interest in A photographic in memory that's subjective to what you want. Yeah, definitely. And even throughout school, secondary school, I was using all of my lunch money to go and buy sweets and sell them on to the kids. And then I'd have like, I'd double my money every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All of that sort of stuff, like I was buying and selling from a young age. And um, I think- He says was- sweets, but he means drugs. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even remember how old I was, but I, I basically used to walk an extra bus stop so that I could visit a shop on the way, spend all of my money that my mum okay. and dad had just got me so that I could buy these sweets. And then I'd sell them all by the time I'd got to school on the bus. And then I was like, oh, I'm so rich. Yeah. I've got like five pounds for school lunch. <laughs> it's a fantastic mindset because it's really quite rare. And this always starts from quite an early age. Mm. All the signs there. People don't just develop into being entrepreneurs when they're 40 or 30. I don't think it, all those signs are there um, as, as, as a teenager. And so then since then, what's the, mo- what's the best content that you've created? What are you most proud of oh. and why in terms of content? Would you think you're just question. getting started with it? Because we've got I some think, really epic stuff lined up with you this year. Yeah, hopefully. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I what I I'm I'm a creative person. I think you have to be in this in this world. So I'm always looking, watching, absorbing to try and twist ideas that have worked or see ideas that haven't worked and work out how you can make them work. So there are moments in my YouTube uh, career, like you're going to say that's not a career. You don't even have a job. Yeah, but we, whatever yeah, it is, use the word career in the loosest possible <laughs> sense. Yeah, I um I definitely have some videos like I got invited to Silverstone to drive a fully sized remote control Nissan GTR. So it was a Nissan GTR, the Were size of a Nissan GTR. No, 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 I was in the car behind it okay. with a PlayStation controller driving it. Really? Yeah. Okay. But it was that whole day where I was watching what was going on. I knew this video had the potential of going big. So I filmed it in a way that was quite short form. Yeah. So why would you do? Why would you want a full size remote control car? Wouldn't do you not just ask. have? Wouldn't you just have to, a normal size uh, yeah. car with do someone not in ask. it? But it benefited me massively because I basically made the video the perfect length so that it was so shareable. Because a lot of my content is ten to fifteen minutes, and it tells a story. And oh, my, it's, it's dull. I mean, yeah, I can't get through it. <laughs> I, I'm very, I'm very often mute you. Enjoy and, uh... watching and going through the journey. But this video, I knew was a standalone piece of content. I made it like six minutes long, mm-hmm. 
and it just flew. It got like 14, 15 million views. And I was like, yes, that was exactly how I intended it. I wasn't expecting it to get that many views, yeah. but it was just one of those moments where I was like, it's exactly how I imagined it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was proud of that for all of the decision-making up to the point of me uploading that video. But there are loads of trips that I've done, loads of cars that I've driven. Like I drove a, a LaFerrari, which is the million pound hypercar hybrid Ferrari. I drove that at 25 years old before anyone else on YouTube really had had the opportunity. It was a customer who had bought it and just threw me the keys and I was terrified. It was in I East bet. London. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what is going on? I didn't even know whether I was insured and I just drove what, it. Why did he do that? Why did he want you to drive his car for He him? wanted it for the just, video. He was okay. like, I really want you to drive it so that you can film it and post it. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible. Did you actually charge him money for doing that as well or just drove I it? I wish. Yeah. I wish. I should have <laughs> I I really. Nearly, yeah, that was yeah, just the, nearly the, the perfect job. The model, ultimate. Yeah. yeah, well, you'll have to pay me. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. And... So, favourite car manufacturer? Lamborghini. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. nice, good. That's the right answer. I was around, I must have been, it was 2001, because I remember that. That was when I first got my car book for Christmas, and I opened the page, and there was a Lamborghini Murcielago, which is a big V12. The doors go up. It was the classic Lambo for my generation. Yeah, you know, yeah, it had yeah. the Countach and the Diablo, which were poster cars. The Murcielago was my generation poster car. It came out in 2002, so that is 18 years ago now. All I wanted to do was own that car. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. And I said to my friends at school, I want to have a Lamborghini by 25. I'm going to have that Lamborghini by 25. And they are like, all right, carry on being a weirdo. Yeah. And that really motivated me. It got yeah. me angry and it made this fire in my belly. I was like, I'm actually going to do this. Yeah. I don't know how, but I'm going to do this. And then I was doing the YouTube videos. It started to tick along. I bought the Audi RA. I sold it 18 months later for the same price that I paid for it. So I got all of my money that I invested okay. into that car back into my bank account. And I went and bought a Lamborghini at 24. Awesome. And I just was like, I can't believe I've done this. Drove out of the showroom. All of the hype leading up to that collection video. Drove out of the showroom. and was terrified of driving it. I was like, I can't afford the fuel. I can't afford getting a new clutch in this car. I can't afford the tyres. And I definitely can't afford the monthly payments. Yeah, please don't go wrong. Please don't go wrong. Yeah. So I don't think I'm interested in this as well. And then you'd spent decades, literally, building up to that moment of, right, that's, that's the one thing you want to own. Yeah. You built up to it. You go in, you buy it. Was it an anticlimax? The no, day after, no, it wasn't. Okay. No, there were so many elements to it that were so perfect because you hear about all of these stories on Top Gear back in the day about when you go and buy a Lamborghini, no one really knows what's going on. Everyone loses their mind on the street. You park it up and there's a crowd around it. And I went to Burger King immediately after buying that car. And you, you a eat a lot of Burger Kings <laughs> and McDonald's, <laughs> yeah, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We are changing this. Paul's doing a 90-day transformation, which we'll touch on in a minute. I, but yeah, yeah. we are trying to stop him eating shit, And there basically. was a huge crowd around the car. It's like, what the hell's going on? Like, yes, it's a Lamborghini and I would be one of those people in the crowd, but I just kind of like walked away just to watch it happen. I, when I insured the car as well, I called up my insurance company. They had no idea what it was and they made me spell Lamborghini on the, over the phone. So yeah. it was like was another it an one of those. Was call centre yeah. by any chance? It was, because... like, it was another one of those uh, <laughs> moments where you kind of dream of buying this car and it's like such a fairy tale thing. And I was just like, L A. Um, and it was a story that I'm telling now. And at the time, I knew that it was a story that I'd be telling now because it was just so stereotypical being like, it's a Lamborghini Gallardo. And they're like, a what? And I'm like <laughs> talking to a car insurance company and they have no idea what car I've I, just bought. I, I had the problem as well. They asked if it was diesel. 
Really? Yeah. I had to explain. <laughs> and then they came back and they'd got it mixed up with a two litre diesel A4 or something <laughs> like that. It's like, no. Um, yeah. So it, it's, yeah, first world problems trying yeah, to insure a supercar. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. And I, I remember the first time I drove through, uh, it was Solihull Hill actually, in the, the first time I got a Lambo. And I, I drove through and there was, and people, like they, they turn heads, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm, I oh, felt absolutely. quite self conscious. Yeah. I'd put like sunglasses on and a hat, and I'm just kind of trying to hide away because you feel, I think, you know, I'm, everyone might laugh at this, but I'm not actually a flash person, like yeah, being sort of quite yeah. stealthy, believe it or not. I I'm, think your body very similar. I'm very similar. Um, and I feel a bit uncomfortable when I drive. Down the road and people, yeah, absolutely. people um, I post photos, stare. like, if I'm stuck in traffic, I'll post photos of being like, oh, like, another traffic jam, and they'll be like, oh, I prefer to be in that than in a my Ford Focus. I'm like, can I can I drive your Ford Focus? Like, do you want to swap? Like, anything. You do feel a bit self-conscious All sometimes. of the eyeballs are on you. You've got all of the phones taking photos of you, and you pull into a petrol station, and then everyone's just like, whoa. And well, I just get, I just, all I want to do is like fill the car up and go. Like, I just really like cars. You become but, quite self-conscious. Yeah, and I yeah. think people, because everyone's filming you, you must get, you, you'll get this a lot. People are filming you and you think, actually, you just, but it sind of kind of makes you a worse driver. It's like when a police car pulls in behind you and you think, yeah, oh, yeah, and you become yeah, really yeah, yeah. hypersensitive yeah, of what you're yeah. doing. And and people drive appallingly around to get you. alongside yeah. you and around you to yeah. film it. It makes it really dangerous. So it does make it quite a strange situation. But the first time I drove through Solihull, Hall, there was a, a load of school kids at a bus stop and I was just slowing down in traffic and they all clapped. It was really weird because like <laughs> yeah. 50, 60 people clapping and be like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just <laughs> yeah. slowing down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's quite nice so those sort of things and you never quite get used to that no i don't think either. no no no. it is always like oh my god like there's someone filming me right now and like my girlfriend's there like trying to fall asleep and she's just like absolutely petrified and paranoid as well because like she'll sleep and she'll just have like her mouth open like like that and she just like then will wake up and be like, oh my god i can't fall asleep in this car like everyone's looking at me and it's just like it is a weird concept that yeah you're right you don't ever get used to because being a car guy, you buy that car and you drive that car because you love cars, yeah. not because you want to show off. Yeah, so- no, is it, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of the time. It's kind of, kind of quite the, the opposite. Yeah. It's strange. And I think, and I think this is why I like Lamborghini. Say, I've never had a Ferrari. I've never really wanted a Ferrari. Mm. And I think there's something about the Lamborghini. It's probably. Oh, a lot more m- like me, a lot more. It's our generation. It's more of an entrepreneurial car, yeah. if that makes sense. New money, they would yeah. say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ferrari's really and old money. You've got like the guys, slick back, silver hair and racing Monaco, heritage. Yeah. Roof down, yeah. they're just cruising around. They're like, I've been rich for generations. And then Lamborghini is more like, yeah, I won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, pretty much. Um, and what, what, so what, car have you had have you ever had a supercar that's just been again a massive anti-climax you've been disappointed it's not been Um, what you thought it was you've been surprised this is going to sound really contradictory but looking back at my car history that first Lamborghini, I know you said, was it ever a letdown? And it wasn't. It was like, always got my Imagine heart like racing. It was a terrible car. <laughs> it was a terrible car. Yeah. <laughs> the the Gallardo, though, the first Lamborghini that I had, I look back on it now, being a 24-year-old kid with like barely any years of driving experience, I didn't know how to drive that car. Yeah. So I look back, and the one car that I'd like to rebuy back 
is that car. Okay. So that I feel like I could maximise the potential of it. I feel like that with the Fiat Panda sometimes. Yeah. I regret putting my Fido Dido. Because you're lighter now. You get more out of the I am lighter and I wouldn't go around trying to kill everyone. Um, yeah, I, I had a Fido Dido sticker on the back. I don't think you even get Fido Dido stickers anymore. I'm not sure the, the modern day equivalent is. Um, I think probably that's why people hated me so much was the fact it had a Fido Dido sticker. And uh, yeah, they probably thought it was driven by some 15-year-old vegan that could batter. Well, they bully, bully, I don't think vegans existed bu- bu- when bully you and batter. No, they, no they, 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 they definitely didn't. Um, so, I mean, go, going back to your business as well, and so mm. you've got this, this, this backing, best business advice you've probably ever been, been given? Because the thing with your business is it didn't really exist until you started doing it. Yeah, so yeah. it's not that you can really learn from anyone else. I mean, it's, 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 it's so transient. Yeah, I think with what I do, I learn every day. So it's all trial and error. Everything that I do is trial and error. But the best bit of business advice that I got was I must have been about 22 or 23 years old. And Some said, don't buy a Mercy Lago. <laughs> yeah, the, that car will bankrupt you. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> um, it was stick to one thing. I had all of these ideas, obviously, like being a fairly creative person, I wanted to go and do this, I wanted to go and do that. And I was splitting up my time and not necessarily focusing on being good or efficient at one thing. And he said, rather than try and dream up your business portfolio, nail one thing that becomes your cash cow and then start to think about everything else. Um, so that was it when I basically started to drop all of this consultancy work because that was spending up quite a lot of my time. Even though it was earning me good money, yeah. it was the best decision when I could jump into YouTube and do that full time yeah. because everything started to become more efficient and I started to benefit much more from having the free time to be able to go and do more things that benefited the the revenue stream on that. So that was probably the like the first best bit of advice that I had. And I've completely lost and forgotten about what the second piece of advice was that I had in my head and then <laughs> oh, carried on the conversation. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I think definitely that singularity of purpose, because again, it's, this is very common with entrepreneurs, is they go off chasing ideas mm. and you'll have done this and I do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to constantly learn to refine them. Yeah. And I think as well, in order to have a build a phenomenal business, you have to own something. Yeah. So you decided you wanted to own YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And you know, with us, our, our first product was was weight loss and we decided we'd own weight loss yeah. and and i think when you start to own something you can then start to have little steps out like people always look at like amazon and it sells everything to everyone all over the world but they yeah. start off just selling books they yeah. wanted to own books yeah. if you're under armor you know own compression and then build it up if you can be really good at something you've got more chance of being good at everything Absolutely. but you can't just start a business and be good at everything. Yeah, you have to start yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I, think, I think that's probably really good advice in terms of um, terms of the focus. Um, speaking of focus, Go so on. you are now not forward focus. We're not. We're going to swiftly move on from that. Um, <laughs> Ninety day transformation. Yes. Halfway through, how are yeah. you finding it? I'm feeling better than I've ever felt before, and okay. I'm loving it. Like I was always into, I was always a sporty person. So I played football, I played tennis and throughout my teenage years. Tennis doesn't count, tennis isn't a sport. (laughs) Well, ask ask Andy Murray, (laughs) Sir Andy Murray, actually. Oh, oh, it's not Sir Andy. Pretty sure he is. I'm not sure I want to talk to Andy Murray, to be honest. He's (laughs) desperately trying to get on the show, but we're not interested. Um, So I was always sporty. I was always active. And I think it just completely skipped through my brain that I was burning calories and burning more than I was consuming. So when I was a kid, I was just playing football in the playground at lunchtime, at break, playing football after school. Selling drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It never actually computed with me 
that there was a balance of what I was consuming and what I was burning. And then I went to university and I played tennis and I played tennis quite not well is not the right, but I played quite a lot. Um, came, extensively is the word extensively, you're looking for. Came out of university and started to pursue YouTube full time. Now, this is when things started to go real downhill. Because you discovered McDonald's. No, no, no. I, I was just sat down the entire time. I was either driving a car, mm. sat down. I was editing a video, sat down. And when I finished work, I sat down and like watched TV. I was never doing any exercise. I know you didn't watch. You didn't watch any bloody films. I know <laughs> no, that. absolutely not. Guys, Paul's film history is absolutely shocking. Do you want to te test me on like shocking. five title... Do you call it a title movie? Like, uh, probably... Some just, big just, films that you've probably name, seen. Yeah, five five big films and see if I've seen them. The original Jurassic Park? No. Okay. Die Hard? No. You've never seen Die Hard? No. Okay. Um, let's do some Arnold films. Oh, no, to, none to, of them. You've never seen an Arnold? I was going to no. go specific. I was going to say Terminator, Commando. No. You've never seen an Arnold film? No. Ever? No, the only thing I've seen Arnold in was... Um, Don't say Kindergarten Cop. The Netflix thing about vegans. Game oh, changes. Game Changers. He was in that, wasn't oh, he? Oh, he was in that. Yeah, yep. it's the only thing I've seen him on You've TV. never seen Terminator. No. But you've seen Game Changers. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of should, films. Should, should yeah. I let myself out? I think out? I said, uh, yeah, let, let yourself out. Yeah, we need some tumbleweed to go past there. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, unbelievable it's, how it's pretty bad. few films you've yeah. seen. Because we had this conversation before. We were, we were chatting about Tom Hardy. And uh, I think you said I've never seen a film Tom Hardy's been <laughs> no. in. Yeah, I because like, I he's didn't, been in everything. I didn't know that he played Bane in Batman. <laughs> but had you seen Batman? Yeah. Oh, you'd yeah, seen yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, okay. So, yeah, he was in that. I said, yeah, Black Hawk Down, though, never seen it. When I met him, I didn't seen get... Legend, the film Legend. No. The Christ. Oh, God. So, you've got to see Legend. Yeah. Was but it helped, like, because actually when I met him, I didn't feel starstruck. Oh, so when, I was I, like, when I'm... He didn't know who he was. I've never, I've never, I've never seen anything <laughs> you're in. I know your name. I've seen you on Instagram, but that's about it. <laughs> oh, I bet he felt so special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, sorry. So, be honest, when was the last time you were in a takeaway? We will find out. We've got a tracker on your car, so... Uh, last time I was in a takeaway... McDonald's counts, any drive-through. Have you cheated in the last 45 days? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a Domino's. <laughs> a lot I had, of, yeah, loads every week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I think... Glad like you're every, taking it seriously. Everything in moderation. I think if you tried to do a 90-day transformation or any sort of extreme transition away from what you're used to, yeah. it's much easier to relapse and go back to what you're used to and burn out and kind of like hold your hands and be like, look, I failed, I quit. Yeah. If I started the 90-day transformation and told myself I'm never going to eat sweets, I'm never going to eat fizzy drinks, I'm never going to go to a takeaway. You wouldn't do it. Within a yeah. week, yeah. I'll be like, oh, I'm dead, I'm burnt out. Do you know as well, that's that, I'm very much like that. That's that entrepreneurial mindset. And again, not liking... Be, I think being controlled in yeah, a way, even though you're controlling yeah. yourself. Yeah. Because I get that. If someone said to me tomorrow, I probably wouldn't think a lot of time about eating junk. I'm not really yeah. interested. I never really buy it. Yeah. If it's lying around, I'll eat it. But yeah. I just don't, I normally wouldn't buy it. It's not in the house. It's not in yeah. Um But if someone said, right, you're starting a diet tomorrow, I would be, uh, I'd immediately want to start buying junk and eating yeah, it. I'd yeah, immediately yeah, go, way. yeah, strange. I thought that was just me. Because, no, no, no. I kind of um, have gone through this period in the transition where I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned a lot that I'm in competition with myself all of the time. And I had a conversation with my friend yesterday and I said, every time I train in the gym, no matter what it is that I'm doing, cardio, weights, whatever, I never listen to music mm -hmm. because I'm always in my head beating myself up. I'm like that. 
self-motivating and self-competing. So I'm like, well, last time I did a four kilometer run or a five kilometer run in this time. So I'm going to beat it. And then three kilometers I'm in, I'm like, oh my God, I'm blowing. Like I'm actually going to fall off this treadmill. And then I talk to myself and go, no, you're not. Like if you do fall off this treadmill, you're like everyone else. Yeah. And you're not going to do this. And like, so I'm always in my head and I was having this conversation with someone yesterday and he was like, yeah, but that's kind of your job, isn't it? And I'm like, what? No. And it's like, yeah, because otherwise you wake up and if you aren't in competition with yourself, you'd never make a video. You'd yeah. never get out of bed. You'd never want to do better than you're the very day before. Driven. Yeah, you're yeah. really driven. So that was something that I've learned about myself that actually when I go to the gym, I don't listen to music. Something that's very simple, but actually it's much deeper than that. You know what's tricky with that though? Because I'm super competitive and you're always trying to beat your own, your previous times, previous bests. And you want to keep pushing forward, which is great. The problem is with that as well. And I realized this in the last couple of years. Sometimes you have to think, do you know what as well? Just having a training session is better than no training Absolutely. session at all. Absolutely. Because you can burn out with this before you start. Mm. Because then you're in that mindset with training specifically, you know, for me, where I think, well, I've got to beat what I did last time. Oh, and last time I had a good session. I did this, this, and this. And sometimes you don't have to beat what you did last time. Yeah. There's loads of variables yeah. Yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of and stress also it's and not eating realistic. and diet. No, it isn't realistic. And you can't keep on beating people. Yeah. If that was the case, then people would just keep getting quicker and quicker yeah. and quicker. And, yeah. You know. So, um, yeah, I get that. And I think now for me, I've learned that actually if I don't want to try and I'll go and do something different, yeah. then I don't have a reference to what I did last time. I go you on do a lot different of walks. exercises. I go on a lot of yeah. walks. And you come back, you're like, oh, that was great. And yeah. you've still trained, you've done yeah. something better than doing nothing. Mm. And you're not beating yourself up that you didn't beat yeah. the PB because you can't always I beat I also the go against other people in the gym without them knowing, but I'm in yeah. competition with everyone next to me on a treadmill. I took those school kids were terrified when they're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they're in big school, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be back. And, right, so I know we're getting pushed for time, but I've got to give you a couple of quick fire ones Go on. so you said favorite supercar manufacturer uh lamborghini absolutely spot on uh favorite four by four uh, lamborghini urus okay oh nice yeah okay yeah i love that car i've spent got, a lot of time in it got one coming later in the yeah, year and i'm gonna be driving it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't know about it no, i don't know about it <laughs> my insurance uh, covers any car uh, but it, not mine <laughs> um the if you could only now pick one car that you had to live with every day now for the next 10 years and you couldn't have anything else, what would it be? Price, no limit. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no limit on price, just Bugatti one Chiron. car. Okay. And you, can, <laughs> <laughs> you could live with that every Absolutely. day for the next 10 Absolutely, years. Absolutely, yeah. Really? Yeah. I've lived with the last 10 years having two seaters, so the passenger footwell becomes very useful for boot space. But the Chiron, for people that don't know, it is like hands down the fastest car in a straight line. It, own, it holds the record for over 300 miles an hour. But it's so comfy. Okay. It's like a supersonic Bentley. So you can drive it every day. You can cruise in it. You can just drive around. You can daily drive it. It's got great sound system, but it's incredibly fast and you get all of the thrills. It ticks all the boxes. But having that for, having that for 10 years, I mean, would you worry about people scratching it, the maintenance? I, mean, they I think maintenance is actually not too bad on it now. Really? Yeah, Bugatti changed because the Veyron was like... Every time you needed a new tyre, you had to change all four of them and they were 20 grand per tyre. Oh, nice. Okay, sounds but, cheap. Yep. <laughs> but Chiron is kind of, is, is owned by VW Group. Okay. So they can kind of manipulate the price. slowly talking into this. Yeah, yeah, okay, go I'm going to change, change the subject quickly. Uh, a verdict on electric cars. There's only one verdict, really. What are your thoughts on I think on they're that? great. Oh, really? You're wrong. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'll tell you why, because driving... I, out of the corner of my eye, I can see Jenny doing high fives. A Prius <laughs> doesn't count. No, that doesn't. Did you break down last week on the motorway? She ran out of electricity. <laughs> I didn't know the scenario confirmed. 
Okay, yeah, the answer, the answer was yes. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone got stuck on the M6 last week, uh, we, know, we know yeah. why. No, yeah. electric cars for day-to-day, -day, A to B, work perfectly. I think they make sense. Because Unless you, it's a Prius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you work at Grenade. But you can just, like, zip around, put your car on charge at the end of the day, and I feel like that is the future. I feel like a dinosaur standing at the petrol station every day with 20 other people all doing the same thing, wasting time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... When you come down to actually driving, going on a road trip, or actually just going to enjoy being behind the wheel, hearing an engine, getting that feel and that buzz, because we're petrol heads, then obviously you have a Lamborghini. But an electric yeah. car for the day, an electric, electric uh, Lamborghini for the weekend. Okay, perfect. Just uh, I needed to justify that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, electric cars are great. Still got a petrol car and you in saved there. The, and you saved the planet. And they, yeah, you're, you're definitely not saving the planet. You're saving the planet about as much as I am. Um, I have increased my composting significantly yeah. over the last <laughs> to, make, to, make, to make up for the Urus and whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm making up for it in other ways. Um, and then last question, most inspirational entrepreneur, who would it be? You're not allowed to say me. Everyone always wants to automatically say me. But let's, oh, assume, let's assume it's me, but you need, we need another one. Can I say Usher? Usher who? Usher. The singer? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Genius. I feel is like it? he is. Is it he? I, I know of underrated. Know he's he's so underrated. Like he's the first person that popped into my head because he's had this incredible music career and learned everything about his trade, his art, and and everything. And then he discovered the most famous pop star that exists today, Justin Bieber. Okay. So he's passed on all of his knowledge to him and kind of gone, there's the platform, go and do it. Use my name where you need to. And he's kind of got his fingers in all of the pies. And I just feel like his career has been so respectable. But then to then pass the torch on, and he's still taking taking a little cut here and there from Justin Bieber. He's like, I don't ever have to work again. Oh, but genius. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm going to start doing with you, I think. Um, <laughs> I can't leave on Justin Bieber, so I'm going to ask you one more question as well. Most, uh, And he said that he was very underrated, so most underrated car ever? Most underrated car ever. Ooh, so that's kind of like a guilty pleasure, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Ooh, that's thrown him. Yeah, that's I don't thrown know I can answer Something that, that should have done really well, but then it... it it didn't, and it's a bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, you must have driven something at some point. There are a few BMWs that look great, are supposed to be really good, that are really underwhelming. And then there are some Mercedes that are supposed to be rubbish that are really good. I did something with the new GLE hybrid, which I was like... Oh, we can't not, end on hybrids. Not that excited about, but it was a phenomenal car with so many driving assists that I was like, this is the future. I could sit on the M25 in traffic and not have to do anything, and it will drive itself. I hate to say, you know you know what, I really love driving, and I really hate myself for saying it, but it really took me by surprise. Go on. I was lent a Rolls-Royce Wraith. Oh, they're epic. Oh, it was they're awesome. So I was good. awesome. You feel like an utter wanker. Yeah, yeah. You do yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, a yeah, monstrous yeah. Well, wanker. because you feel like you're actually sailing a super yacht, but on the road. You do, and you, yeah. they're, they're so crass. Yeah. It is kind yeah. of, and I know that's crass, but, but oh, it was. <laughs> it's so comfortable. Yeah. And the fact that you push a button and the door closes itself. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how lazy you actually get, but I love that. And it did look like a wedding car. It looked yeah. like I was a yeah, well, I was, I was a wedding chauffeur because it was yeah, white. Yeah. The, the colour was hideous. But that's I really the love sort that of car. car that I believe should be electric because yeah. they've put a massive six liter twin turbo V twelve in there to make it as quiet as possible. Yeah. So that you can drive in complete silence. And you're like, well, if you want the power, the torque, and the silence, just make it an electric car. 
and it still looks as great. Yeah, and it weighs about 18 around. tons. Yeah. So the you fact probably that now that electric cars seem to have a range <laughs> yeah. of about nine miles, <laughs> yeah. less if you're Jenny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I doubt you'd get that. We probably, then again, would you get it across a car park? Uh, you'd be the probably person to not, ask. Probably yeah, you probably not. couldn't get it across the car park. If there was you with one other person, no. <laughs> no not with me, innit? All right, I've, I've lost weight since then. Um, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks That's so been much. Good fun. Thanks so much for coming in and, uh, and and talking to us. And we've we've broadly talked everything. We talked uh, we've talked trains, planes, we, we, and we in the wrong order. Trains. We did. Did a little bit about planes. Well, Nathan's going to turn up a minute to do a workout with you and. Uh, yeah, he'll batter you, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, good luck. I'm going to need to get a train home because I won't be able to drive. <laughs> there we go. There's another reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Paulie Rostar. Thank you very much. My name is Paul Wallace. You can find me on YouTube, Supercars of London. You can find me on Instagram, at WallacePJW and Supercars of London, if you like the supercar travel luxury lifestyle. If you've liked what you've listened to today on the Pull the Pin Grenade podcast, then subscribe, like, and come and follow me because I've got my last 45 days of my transformation where I'm going to be putting myself through all sorts of paces. I've got a crazy road trip coming with a Lamborghini and another secret car, and there is so much more to come from the supercars of London, Wallace PJW and Grenade Umbrella. Is that the right way of saying it? Yeah, you can have a Grenade Umbrella.